Sound Insight is sponsored by Burien Toyota and Burien Chevrolet, Catholic family-owned dealerships for over 30 years. Information about new and pre-owned cars and the service center is available at BurienToyota.com and BurienChevrolet.com. Find new roads. I want to thank Tom and Sound Insight for all he has done for the pro-life community. Listening has given me the gift to hear the Spirit speaking through Tom. Tom really gives you the insight on a practical level, on a daily basis, to be able to speak it to other people. Your show is unique. It presents teachings of the Catholic Church with an enthusiasm and yet also gives ways of living that out day by day. Sound insight, Holy Spirit-driven teaching that gets people excited about their faith and living this life in abundance. Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran's special program today. Should I give my kid a smartphone? How old should my kid be when I give him a smartphone? Should they be teenagers, tweens? What do I do with regards to that question of smartphones? I'm going to answer that today. And I think you're going to be shocked. You're going to learn some stuff that I'm pretty confident you've never learned before, including not just the harms connected to smartphones, but uh, solutions. There are solutions, and I'm going to share them with you today as well. But I'm going to begin with a touching letter that answers the question, does our parenting make a difference? Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you, and we do thank you that you are a good and loving Father to us. And in Jesus' name, I ask our blessing upon this program, especially upon parents who are uh, mourning the, the moving forward in life of their kids out of their homes, back to college, or moving forward in life. And it's hard. And so, Lord, I just ask you, bless those parents, and bless those parents who are also just... Uh, striving to really do your best to invest in your kids' lives. Lord, just bless them. Just give them encouragement today. And I pray, Lord, that they'd be, each and each of these dear brothers and sisters of mine would be really encouraged uh, in their parenting. Uh, that, Lord, we can't always see the fruit, but every once in a while you give us a glimpse, and we love you for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Do you ever wonder, does my parenting make a difference? Right? Especially when your kids are, uh, going through their teen years. It's funny, when my kids were younger, it felt like these were the hardest years and it would get easier as the kids could interact. And, and you have those sort of, those easier years where the kids are just starting to bloom and blossom in life and, and they're able to have real conversations and they're able to do things a little bit more independently. This is all before they become teens. <laughs> then in their teen years, they begin to stretch their wings and, and they're spending more time with their friends and influenced by peers and, and you're investing more and maybe getting less, uh, less of the kind of feedback that you want. And it's like, is it really making a difference? Yeah, all of this 
pouring out of our lives, this sacrificial pouring out of our lives, all of this hand-wringing desire to have our kids grow to be godly uh, men and women, uh, and to be launched, right? The desire is not to keep them at home. The desire is to get them launched into life. Is that going to go well? And um, we're, we're still not at that stage where any of our kids are married. Um, our oldest is 23, then 22, and then 20, and 19, and 8, 17, 16, 14, etc. And it's And so we're not yet at that stage where you know, they have, like, that's our next, I guess, my next hand-wringing, prayerful, on my knees, crying out to God concern is, Lord, help them discover and live their vocation, and especially those that are called to be married, praying so intently, not only for them, but for their future spouses, right? So I think I've got to that point where it never ends. There's always going to be that next heart-wrenching, crying out on my knees concern for my kids, that even as they're adults, right? Once they get married, then you know, will they be launched well, and, and where will they be living, and what will they be doing, and will this one take care of my daughter, will, the, will he take care of that his, my daughter-in-law, right, all of that sort of stuff. And every once in a while, the Lord will give a glimpse of, wow, I didn't realize that they saw that. Wow, I didn't realize that they appreciated that. Now, I'm gonna, I want to share a, a touching letter. I, I flew back from Franciscan University, and I found this down on my desk, and my daughter wrote this to me. And didn't tell me. My oldest daughter, Mary Grace, she, she's uh, she's 23. She's gonna be a senior in um, at uh, George Fox uh, University in um, in Newburgh, Oregon, and she's an English major. And she's a beautiful faith, just a, a real lovely faith. And um, couldn't be prouder of her in terms of the path pursuing God, just with her whole heart, and um, striving to honor Him in, in her life. Just I love that. Well, she wrote me this letter, and I want to share it with you. Yeah, you guys that have walked with me through life, I know that I, I bump into folks who remember, uh, remember my being in ministry before we had children, and then bringing Mary Grace with us when I would give talks, and and then basically you guys have walked with us through Mary Grace's life. I started back on the radio in 2003 on Sacred Heart Radio, and Mary Grace was just a three-year-old at the time. And so now here she is 20 years later. So I want to share this with you. And I do it as an encouragement. I do it because I was very moved by the letter. And it just teased out things that I didn't realize that she appreciated. And I want I, I share it with you so that you have a sense of this lives in your kids too. And, and they may not have the gift of articulating it the way that Mary Grace did and, and did it personalized for my life. But I want you to know this, that despite how things appear, despite the uh, sometimes the attitude or the behaviors or the, the approach that they're taking maybe towards your parenting, and especially as they are in their teen years and later teen years, and now they've moved on to college and moved out of the house, there is a place within them that really does appreciate all that you're doing for them. So if you're still in the midst of laboring uh, to bring your kids up, if you're in the midst of the teen years and you're feeling like um, what's happened, what what alien has you know invaded my kid's body, or your kids have moved on to college and, and you're feeling like that cats in the cradle song, uh, is there still time and place for me in their lives? Um, this, this is for you. This is for you. I'm sharing with you. I want to bring you into this part of, of my life. And I hope that it's a blessing to you to, to hear it and to be part of part of this. So she 
uh, entitled it, Thank You for Your Open Hands to God. Thank you for your open hands to God. And she said, The greatest potential of a father's earthly love could be one who has fully received. As the Father has loved you, so you have loved us. Thank you for pep talks before practice, coaching, driving, packing, not climbing the ladder or bragging, but opening your hands to God. And she said, not climbing the ladders, not climbing the corporate ladder, not going after like worldly things, but opening your hands to God. An encouraging word to carry close or making morning cups of gold, that's my coffee, more than the taste or richness, it is the presence of the one who grinds and pours and makes it day after day. And cleaning before dawn breaks is more than picking up cups and coats. It is the peace of sitting on the couch and feeling safe in a home. A call in the night to say a prayer, always lending a listening ear, famous for advice, wicked smart, but humble in heart and mind. Thank you for daily toil of hidden offerings and sacrifice, for the fruit is in our happiness, joy, camaraderie bright. And how often one cannot see the great gift until they've left. The fruit is in the absence and presence felt at the same time. The giver gone, but the gift lives on. So as I rewind the tape and watch it over again in my mind, it is to relive the joy of the original moment. Remember that 30 pints, 36 pints of raspberries, Occam's razor, and going to mass on time are only pieces of fruit from the sturdy, solid tree protecting and providing for me and our family as the years go by. The Father loves to give good gifts to his children, and by knowing and receiving from you, I know this is true. So that was from my daughter, Mary Grace. And it's just very beautiful. Uh, and so she gave this to me, and um, I just, just very moved by it and, and reading it. Um, and, and I, again, I, I share that with you that, you know, the re she's like referencing things there that obviously are parts of our family's life together. But these are things that, you know, I didn't always realize that she saw that I was going through them. And, and, and this is part of, I think, part of parenting, right, is you pour yourself out in ways that you don't draw attention to, right? Like you just pour yourself out. You, you give sacrificially. You give freely, and you give without saying, um, is everybody noticing what I'm doing around here? Everybody noticing how much I'm giving? Hey, how about a little bit of acknowledgement? How about a little bit of stepping in and doing your part because I'm doing more than my part, right? That's, that's not the first stance or the second stance or the third stance of a loving father or loving parent, right? That's made, our, our, our vocation is, is that we are fulfilled by being poured out. We are fulfilled as husbands and fathers, as wives and mothers, by pouring out our lives. 
on their behalf, for their sake, and in their place. That, that's, that's our vocation. And it, it, I don't want to say, like, I was going to say the word thankless, but it's, it's actually not thankless. And in, in, this is going to kind of be a twist here. When I say it's not thankless, it's not that I am looking for thanks from my kids, right? That, oh, they notice it, they acknowledge it, and they express their gratitude to me for it. That, that's not what I mean. But how about thanking God for the gift given to us that we get to pour ourselves out? Okay, that's the twist. Let me say this. That gratitude in living a self-sacrificing, pouring out life as a, as a spouse and a parent, the gratitude is less about us being thanked by our spouses or our children, and it's more about us being grateful to the Lord for the opportunity, for the gift that he's given to us to pour ourselves out. Do you understand that privilege? That's a privilege. What a gift that we have if we've been given a life where we get to pour ourselves out. We don't have to. We get to. And, and so to hold on to that. Like, don't, don't doubt that. Don't, uh, don't, don't settle for a, uh, an approach to our parenting that is going to want to always just be acknowledged and appreciated. I, I, I love this, this like little letter, this, you know, kind of this, uh, this prose. Thank you for opening, for your open hands to God. And uh, she ended with my favorite scripture, uh, Luke 12, 32, when she said the father loves to give good gifts to his children. And that's it, reminiscent of that verse where it says, do not fear, little flock. Do not fear, little flock. It has pleased the father to give you the kingdom. It's pleased the father to give you the kingdom. And so that's my prayer for you. I, I, I want you parents, especially those of you who feel like you're laboring in vain, who are sensing today a bit of uh, maybe anxiety or, or feeling the burden, feeling maybe a little bit overwhelmed by the, the degree of pouring out that is being asked of you right now in a time of uncertainty. Okay? I know that there are a lot of folks who are facing uncertainty. And trust me, I get it. I get it. So, you know, I, I, I have the privilege of pouring myself out here on the radio serving you and serving the Lord. And that's a gift that the Lord's given to me. This does not provide the financial sustenance my family needs. The mission that I've been called to involves not only ministry work, but also serving folks who are discerning moves, right, in real estate. And, and that's how I, I, I 
discerned and, and went all in instead of serving business owners as a consultant and coach, now serving homeowners, <coughs> excuse me, in their buying and selling homes. Um, and so uh, trusting that in, even in this much more challenging environment for real estate that the Lord's going to provide. He's going to provide me with the people to serve. Uh, and in helping them also, the Lord is providing for me. And that is a great gift. And and just it'll come out of the blue. So here's kind of a neat story in that regard. I, I, someone reached out to me a couple days ago. Um, from Medical Lake. And if you're listening to this program and you're in the Spokane area or even just uh, even in Western Washington, you heard about the wildfires out here and you probably heard that town, Medical Lake, where just this wildfire came just whooshing through there and just destroyed just all of these homes in Medical Lake. And it was just so terribly dangerous. Well, uh, this couple reached out to me and they're um, they're not Catholic. They're Christian, and he uh, was a, a pastor for decades. So this very faithful Christian couple, and guess what? They listen to Sacred Heart Radio. <laughs> they listen to Sacred Heart Radio. They're fed spiritually by Sacred Heart Radio, a Catholic station. And and they heard me, and they heard about my work and discerning and helping families um, make moves. And I met with them uh, yesterday and had this really beautiful conversation, and now I'm going to be serving them. And so... The Lord's providing for me as well, and he'll provide for you. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. So today I mentioned that I want to share with you sort of an updated level of insight around the reality of smartphones. So yesterday I shared about having a good semester and the, the guidance I was offering my kiddos. And um, one of the things that has happened in the last few weeks uh, that I'm also going to be sharing with you about is about the importance of fasting. Uh, I, I ended up doing this 21-day water fast and got so many stories and insights to share. But I'll do that um, later in the week. Uh, it'll probably roll into next week as well. Um, but today I want to share with you about smartphones and internet use and the dangers of them. Um, because things have started to coalesce and, and the insights have become sort of crisper and even more profound. Uh, as I have been praying and reflecting in the, in the past month, I recently gave a, a talk on this, the Parenting the Digital Generation talk uh, that Carrie and I have done for about 10 years. Um, because, But it continues to morph and change as the, the world of the internet morphs and changes. And so I want to give you these sort of updated insights in a very compressed version because the, the talks themselves typically last a minimum of two hours, two and a half hours, uh, because the content is so uh, important and critical to dig into. So I'm going to give you more of an overview, but an overview that will hopefully sort of shake loose a degree of um, like uh, unawareness about the, the dangers of the digital world. 
And if you heard what I just said, just pay attention. If you just paid attention to what I just said, I didn't say the dangers of smartphones. I said the dangers of the digital world. So just hold on to that, just that first insight. Because I know a lot of parents are wondering, when do I give a kid a smartphone? Uh, because so many kids statistically have smartphones by the time they're in fifth grade. And then it, it only goes up from there, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade, right? And then off into college. And it's like, okay, in those critical years, what should I be thinking? My kids are going to be asking. My kids are going to increasingly feel isolation and a bit of social shaming if they don't have a smartphone because their only answer is typically going to be, why don't you have a smartphone? My parents won't let me. That just is not going to be a very life-giving response for a kid in high school. So how do you navigate that? And, and I, I told you I have answers, but I want to start with the problem. We have to understand the nature of the problem if we're going to understand why a solution is the solution it is. So you won't get the solution I'm going to provide until you understand the extent of this problem. And I'm going to begin with a very uh, maybe different starting point. And the starting point isn't the question, when do I give my kid a smartphone? But what did Sister Lucy, the third visionary of Fatima, the, one, the only one that lived into adulthood, what did she say in the late 90s to a famous moral theologian who was visiting her about the, this moment in history as it relates to spiritual warfare? And she said that the final confrontation between the devil and the church will be around marriage and the family. The final confrontation between the devil, the realm of the demonic, and the church will be an attack against marriage and the family. So I'm going to share with you the way in which smartphones, and then more broadly speaking, screens that are entry points into the digital world, are in fact being used by the realm of the demonic to damage marriages, to damage children, to damage boys as they become men, to damage girls as they become women, to damage the broader community, the civic community and the community in the church, as well as damaging our own path to God. All of those are layers of demonic attack against marriage and family life. And they're all connected back to a smartphone. Now, you remember what I just said? A smartphone, when you talk about giving a kid a smartphone, it's not just giving them a device where they can make phone calls and connect to the internet. It's a portal. It's an entry point. It's a doorway into another world, okay? You're leaving the real world, and you're entering another world through by means of a smartphone. That's what you're giving whoever has that smartphone in their hands. You're giving them access to a digital world, an entire world. And the question is, what is coming through that world into the lives of those who use it? And so I'm going to talk about those layers. 
how it damages marriages, it damages children, it damages boys as they attempt to become men, girls as they attempt to become women, as it damages the broader community, even the community in the church, and how it damages our path to God. So all of those levels and layers of damage. And when you can understand what's at stake by putting a smartphone into your kid's hands, a smartphone that is connecting to the internet without incredible restrictions and safeguards, you are granting access to a source of demonic demonic damage and spiritual warfare coming against you and your family. Okay, so let's start walking through them. So first is this damaging of marriages. This one is, I think, a very common one. People don't quickly think of it like this as damaging marriages, but let's just talk about it as a spiritual evil, as a sin of engaging in pornography online. So I'm not going to overwhelm you with statistics about how broad it is, how widespread it is. I am just going to say this, that men statistically have a statistically shockingly high number of men have trouble with accessing pornography online. And it happens through their smartphones, but through all the other portals of access, laptops, iPads, uh, desktops, but just sticking with the smartphones, it creates addictions. And here's the thing, without even getting into the different forms of pornography that are accessible, so easily accessible for men, it rarely stops at ingesting or exposing oneself to pornography, it also leads to what traditionally in the spiritual life and the moral life is called self-abuse. Self-abuse. What is self-abuse? Self-abuse is the traditional way of referring to masturbation. It's a, a way of abusing one's own sexual powers. And here's the thing. Jesus referred to lusting after a woman as a form of adultery. And I'm telling you from the conferences that Carrie and I have done for married couples, retreats for married couples, the parish missions that I've done where I've talked about marriage and family, men's conferences that I've done, the number one issue that we, Carrie and I, are asked to pray for, the number one issue that I am asked to pray for with men or couples who come to pray with me is that sin, is that sin. And do you know why? Because the wives experience it as betrayal. The wives experience their husband's problematic use of the internet for pornographic reasons and the resulting self-abuse that comes from it as a betrayal of their marriage vow. And it is so destructive. It's terrible. Marriages have ended. I know, I know more than one marriage that has ended because of internet pornography being a central cause. Other factors, of course, but a central cause that just destroyed trust, destroyed relationships in marriage. Uh, and there's so many other factors that, that flow from that that, I, again, I don't even have time to get into. But this will then connect to uh, further downstream the effects that it has on boys turning into men, how it 
neuters them, how it leads them to not be able to take up manly positions and manly godliness in their vocations because they're hampered and hamstrung. They're diminished emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, and in their own sexual being, their own capacity to be chaste and modest and pure and self-controlled because of the spiritual damage that comes from pornography. We'll come back to that, though. Let's talk about how it damages children. The damaging effects of a smartphone use on children. This is something that parents just don't think about. They're not aware of. But studies are increasingly showing that when kids that are very young, two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, it leads to brain damage. Letting kids be on screens for more than a small amount of time. I, I don't want to quote a figure for sure, but I think it was like 30 minutes or even less. If this, if this kid is on a smartphone for 30 minutes or more a day, and again, I may not have that number exactly right, it leads to a form of brain diminishment, a, a, a failure of forming the brain in certain physiological brain-developing capabilities. It's actually damaging kids. And, and sadly, how many times are we seeing kids being babysat by their parents' smartphones? They're in a waiting room. They're waiting in a line. They're in a store. They're in the car. And give them a device. Quiet them down. Give them a device. Distract them. Give them a device. Just get them to leave me alone. And so using screens to babysit our kids, to distract our kids so that we can do our thing, we're actually hurting the brain development of these kids that, that will impact them for the rest of their lives. This is shocking. How often have you heard this? Has this impacted? Like if parents were aware of this, would it, would it impact them? Would it impact how they would... Uh, potentially allow screens to be used and, and accessed in their homes. Like, do, hello, do we, we have to pay attention to this. This is terrible. <clears throat> so, uh, so this is a, um, the, the, the psychological damage that are being done, a physiological damage, sorry, that's being done to children. All right, let's, let's move it forward now and let's talk about how uh, smartphones damage manliness. Smartphones diminish rather than foster the growth of manliness in young men. Well, that's quite a statement. Why? How? Well, where did this come from, Tom? Are you making this stuff up? I'm not. I am not. We are raising a generation of smartphone addicts right in front of our eyes. And in fact, one of the biggest things that holds back a solution to the frequency and consistency and use of smartphones in our kids' lives is honestly, frankly, our own addiction as adults to our smartphones. You, in fact, listening to me, you are an addict to your smartphone. 
until you prove to me you're not. You are addicted to your smartphone until you prove to me you're not. Now, I know that there are some, some especially older folks, who maybe were never really impacted by the rise of smartphones. Think 2007, the, the uh, invention of the iPhone and bringing it out into the world. Maybe that was something that just bypassed you because of the stage of life you were in. Maybe you still have a flip phone. Maybe you never got a smartphone, or if you got one, it's never really taken hold of your life. If that's you, you have been very blessed, and you are the exception. Maybe not. Maybe your generation, that, that, that stage and age that you're in, you've been freed from that, and that's been a real mercy. But please hear me. The generation that's under you, the generation, let's just say 60 years and under, you're addicts. Just, it's really just not even a question. How, I, here's a kind of an anecdote. At the beginning of the talk I gave a week ago about smartphone use, I said, hey, hey who has a smartphone? Everybody held them up. I said, okay, everybody silence your smartphones. And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course we do that whenever we go to an event. And I said, okay, now everybody turn off your smartphone. Everybody turn them off. And you should have seen the looks on some of their faces. You should have seen the looks. And they're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, but, but I, I, I've got a babysitter at, at home. And, 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 uh, but what if they have to reach me? And I just said, please just turn them off. We're going to pray. And then after we prayed, I said, okay, now you can turn them back on again. And then there was just this, ah, oh, okay, thanks be to God. It's okay now. My, my, my smartphone is back on, and, and, and in that one in a million chance that my babysitter might need to reach me in the next hour, I, I, I will be reachable. <laughs> but just it was a, was a simple little test of how did you feel? What did you feel when I said turn off your phone? Did you feel any little like, uh, and, and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Right, so that and it was kind of that's kind of cutesy, but it's far worse than that because when I said hi, my name's Tom and I'm a smartphone addict, everybody laughed. And then when people would raise their hands to ask questions, they would say hi, I'm Mike, I'm a smartphone addict, and then they'd ask their question, just sort of laughingly acknowledging that this is really a thing. All right, up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk more about the damaging effect on boys. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. And today, uh, in this part of the program, I'm going to continue to talk about the damaging effects of smartphones and of internet use. And if you kind of, again, catching the overview of it, I was talking about the way in which um, Sister Lucy really was prophetic in saying that the devil in this final, uh, this final confrontation against the church would go against an attempt to attack marriage and family life and is cleverly using smartphones and the internet, the digital world, that world as a conduit for damaging marriages, children, boys being uh, growing into men, girls growing into women, uh, damaging community, even the community in the church, as well as damaging our path to God. All of these negative, toxic, poisonous, spiritually damaging, demonically uh, stirring, damaging effects of smartphones. And by the way, this is, I'm teeing all of this up to say, when do we give our kids smartphones and how do we 
help set them up to be able to relate well to the digital world. Again, hear the distinction. I'm not talking, first of all, about a device, a smartphone. I'm talking about what the device enables access to. It's a door, it's a portal, it's an entry point to a digital world that is not created by God. It is a digital realm. It is, it's a virtual realm. It's not a realm created by God. It is under the sway, not every element of it, but you can hear, and when you hear the statistics, when you get, when you see the effects, uh, simply put, I've never met a parent who said, I wished my kid would spend more time on their smartphone. It's a joke. It never happens. I, I never met a parent who ever said, I wish my kid spent more time on video games. Never happens. I never have heard a parent say, I wish my kid spent more time on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Please, I wish they could just be more engaged on those platforms. It doesn't happen. And that, can't you see it? It's a sign of just how deleterious, how negative the effect and the impact of smartphone use is. So why in the world would we give our kids un- with uh, with our own you know, uh, our own awareness so low about what they're actually encountering, how they're encountering it, and what these phones give them access to. Why would we do this? Okay, let's dig further into how smartphones and internet use, the digital world, fails to turn boys into men, but makes them experience effeminacia and pusillanimitas, pusillanimitas, pusillanimity. Boy, those are big words, huh? This is all Aquinas. Aquinas says to turn a boy into a man, it takes a difficult good. To turn a boy into a man takes the bonum arduum, a difficult good. The boy becomes a man by learning to sacrifice himself, to give of himself in a way that is even uh, is generous, even heroic, is sacrificial, pouring out his time, effort, energy, attention, his, his giftings for the sake of the other, for the sake of the good thing that ought to be, that isn't easily achieved, but will require consistency and persistence, will require patience and perseverance, pursuing and, and, and saying, this good I must make happen. I must be part of making this thing come true. That's what turns a boy into a man. That means the willingness to do the hard thing, to do the hard thing and not just to back down because it's not soft, it's not pleasant, it's not easy, it's not comfortable. It, in fact, is difficult, and I'm going to press through because it's worth it, and that's going to forge a character. It's going to forge virtue in our young men. That's how a boy is turned into a man. What does the smartphone do? The smartphone introduces kids to this pleasure center in the brain that releases dopamine, this hormone that makes the kid feel a quick little burst, a big quick little impulse, a quick little experience that is satisfying. You see it in all the swipes. You swipe the little TikTok video, that reel, that short on Facebook, on YouTube, and you just swipe to the next little post, the next little video. And you know what that video is? It's clever. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's shocking. It involves someone that's famous. 
It involves some activity that's really cool. It involves something that's like, wow, it's an attention grabber. And it's like, wow, that one's really cool. Let me switch to the next one. Oh, my goodness, this one's even funnier, more clever, more entertaining, more interesting. And then let me switch to the next one. And then in each of these things, it's really satisfying. Oh, this is very pleasant. It feels good. And if you're not careful, you could be swiping through these things for 10 minutes. No, not 10 minutes. A half an hour. No, not a half an hour. How about an hour and a half? And it can go on and on and on. And so what do our boys learn? Put a smartphone in their hands. Give them unrestrained, unmonitored access to platforms like YouTube. YouTube! Or TikTok. Or Instagram. And they will consume, consume, consume these satisfying little video clips or posts that will just entertain them into softness, effeminacy. They'll literally become addicted to these little impulses that are soft, satisfying, comfortable, and easy and infinitely available. Do you know what that deadens in them? The heroism of doing the hard thing. They'll resist it. They resist easy solutions. I'm sorry, they resist difficult solutions. It's one of the things that you hear from employers and from fathers. My kid gives up so quickly. My kid bumps up against a a wall that says, you didn't get a quick and easy, satisfying solution that was soft and pleasant and comfortable. No, you've got to figure this out. No, you're going to have to think this one through. I can't tell you how many times in the past couple of years I've said to my boys, when they say to me, Dad, I, I don't know what to do here. And I said, okay, great. I'm not here. Now what do you do? If I wasn't here to answer the question, where would you begin? Let's think it through. And so to help form in my boys a capacity to problem solve, to find a way. Okay, this is where you're at. This is where you're trying to get to. What should you do? Like, think about it. Where would you start? Come on now, you're smarter than that. You got this. You're a smart kid. Figure this out. And, and so that's a, a little bit of intellectual laziness, a little, a little bit of technical laziness. Instead of saying, come on, this is it. This is the challenge you got in front of me. Let, me. let me tell you how I can figure this one out. Let me tell you how to solve this problem. And so I've been spending my time with my boys in the past year, and, and also my girls, not just, my, not just my, my boys, but my girls, and saying, hey, here's a situation I face today at work in this real estate transaction, trying to serve this buyer or the seller or this negotiation or how to market, how to sell, uh, or different aspects of growing a, like my real estate work. And, and I'd say to them, here's a situation. What would you do? Well, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you how I worked through this. And I'm attempting to forge in them and form in them a mindset that says, don't be afraid of something if it isn't easy and automatic and comfortable and pleasant. You're going to have to face that tough wind. You have to face that storm, that trial, that difficulty, and you're going to have to press through, figure it out. And this is what is being destroyed in our boys. What's being destroyed is that spirit of doing the difficult thing, 
Don't be afraid of doing the difficult thing. And that's what is holding young men back from growing into men. Give these kids smartphones and you are neutering them. You are, you are taking away uh, the, the spirit of turning a boy into a man, striving to do great things that are not easy because you're letting them experience all the softness and pleasantness of the digital world coming, pouring over their lives and sewn into them through smartphones. That's what's happening. Okay, that's just boys into men. What about girls into women, right? So we talk about damaging marriages, pornography, just terrible. It's just destroying marriages, damaging children physiologically, giving them in front of screens. It it damages their brains. Damaging boys into men, we just heard about that softness. What about damaging womanliness, girls into women? Well, we'll pick up there when we come back, and then we'll talk about how it also damages community and our path to God. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnes. Great to be with you. Okay, so we're talking about smartphones, and and, and hopefully you're, you're getting it. Like, why in the world would I give my kid a smartphone? And when I do, which one should I give? And why do I give that one? And what do I do next? How do I help equip them when they're out of the house, when they're in college and beyond, to be able to relate well to the digital world? Did you hear that? How do I teach them to relate well to the digital world through the smartphone that eventually ends up in their hands? Because there are solutions, okay? So... How does it damage womanliness? Okay, it damages manliness, you've already heard. How does it damage womanliness? Well, it's, it's, a, a, it's not only in that same spirit of the dopamine release, but also through especially social media platforms. Think mostly Instagram, but also TikTok, and into a lesser degree, Snapchat and YouTube, and probably to the least of all, um, uh, Facebook. But especially on TikTok and Instagram, what do you find? You find girls posting their ideal life. Girls posting, they're dressed cool, they're in a really cool setting, they're at a party, they have their friends, and they are po- the popular ones are getting a lot of likes and comments and lots of activity. And what's happening to the other girls? The girls that weren't invited to the party, the girls that don't look like that, the girls that aren't dressing like that, the girls that are not talking like that, the girls that are, are, are posting things and not getting, they're getting crickets, they're not getting likes or comments, uh, or they're getting snarky, mean, hurtful comments. And these poor girls, just struggling, struggling with anxiety struggling with depression, struggling to belong, to fit in, to be found acceptable, to be found accepted, to be found worthy of being celebrated, to be found capable of being noticed and and applauded in, in positive ways. And instead, through this false presentation of a filtered life, a few girls are creating a sense of envy, terrible envy and jealousy. It just hits those buttons, the comparing and the competing buttons in these poor teenage girls. God bless them. And these poor girls growing in depression, on medication, 
engaging in self-harm and in other characteristics that can lead to suicidal ideation and even behaviors. This is what you're doing when you put a smartphone in your kids' hands, in your girls' hands. Boys too, not a question, boys too. But girls being put this into their hands. It's terrible. It's tragic. It's horrific. Not to mention the other types of interactions that end up happening between boys and girls. You see, you have this desensitization and this devaluation of things like purity and modesty and chastity. And so you have girls casually, regularly being asked to send nudes, to send pictures of themselves partially nude uh, or completely nude and receiving nude pictures in return from boys. I, I hate to say even to say that out loud on the radio, but this is the world that your kids are living in when you put this into their hands. This is, this is not a shocking thing to them. This is a routine thing. This is a casual thing. This is what they're facing in terms of pressures and stressors. And these poor girls, in order to get noticed, in order to get liked, in order to get comments, what do they do? Settle for less, settle for less, settle for less. And they'll settle for less in the language they use. They'll settle for less in dressing less and less modestly. They'll settle for less in the stuff that they allow to come pouring over their lives, and they become polluted. That's the word. Impurity is pollution. It pollutes their minds. It pollutes their hearts. It pollutes their emotions. It's damaging these poor young women. Why would you give your kid a smartphone? when this is what you're handing them into. Okay, not only this, but there's the intellectual damage, the damage to community. And I'll be quicker on this one, but if you pay attention to uh, my generation, we're still on Facebook. And Facebook is just right now terrible, terrible for exposing uh, a division in the Catholic world. A, a, a really just insane division between those who support Pope Francis and those who say Pope Francis is going off the rails. And again, this is these are simplistic categories, but you have Catholics that I know that fit into both camps that I've respected and I've engaged in conversation with over the course of 30 years. And now they are diametrically opposed to each other, pointing fingers and saying that the other one is toxic, the other one is completely off the rails, the other one is completely wrong-headed about Pope Francis, about what he's teaching, what he's not teaching, about the direction the church is going in. And it's just, it's terrible. It's just terrible. And then you have the conspiracy theory stuff, the disinformation, misinformation, mischaracterization, straw man. And so then there's this weakened trust in community as a whole, weakened trust in sources of information about what's actually happening in the world. And trust me, the mainstream media has not helped in this regard at all. And so who's covering something? What are they saying about it? All of that. It's a terrible damaging effect on community, on being civil, on, on having a sense of the common good. Uh, it's just, it's what? It's tearing our nation apart. That's the internet. That's the digital world. It's tearing our nation apart, and it's leading to crazy conspiracy theory thinking and a lack of a capacity to have a dialogue or a debate. How many times have people changed their minds? How, how often have you changed your mind as a result of uh, engaging these conversations? It doesn't happen. It's just, it's just stop. 
So there's the damaging effects. Try going without being on the smartphone for a month, and guess what? You'll realize you haven't missed anything. Last couple of weeks, I've been so busy. I haven't been on Facebook. I barely go on there anyways. But I went back on. I'm like, what in the world is this controversy happening here? And I'm like, boy, I didn't miss any of it. <laughs> I didn't miss anything. And it's just I felt so sad. Like, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. Which then leads me to the last, which is it's damaging our own path to God. Smartphones damage our path to God. Why? What am I talking about? Our path to God. God is what is called transcendent as it relates to the world. Meaning, God who created the world is not in the world the way that other things are in the world. Okay? God is not in the world the way that other things are in the world. So you walk outside and you see a car. You go down the street and you see a supermarket. You don't go around the corner and bump into God. God is not an object in the world the way that other things are in the world. God is present in the world through his power that holds it in uh, in existence, through his presence as the who, who is the artist who created the art, and you see signs of his presence in the world and through the world. But God is beyond the world. So here's the question. How do you get beyond the world? You don't get beyond the world by getting in a spaceship and flying further and further out into the universe. That's still part of the created world. So how do you transcend this world? How do you get beyond the world if it's not by getting further and further outside into creation? Well, the answer is by going within. By going within your heart, the center of who you are, you encounter your own personal personhood, your own I. And if you can get into the center of your heart, the center of your own spirit, your own I, you'll discover at the center of the deepest center of who you are, the, let's call it the the doorway to God, the path beyond the world. The path beyond the world is not found out there. It's found in here. It's found inside your deepest center. Well, the path into the deepest center, the path towards transcendence is through what is called imminence. Do you know how you get to the deepest center? Through silence. Through silence. Through going into the depths of your being. In our traditional path, scriptural and biblical, and, and our tradition is through silence. Through silence, we are led within ourselves. We are brought within ourselves beyond the sense level, the level of the emotions and the appetites and the desires. Well, guess what the internet does? Guess what smartphones do? They keep us at the surface level. They keep us at the level of our appetites and desires. They stir, stimulate, and find satisfaction there. Guess what it also cuts off? the capacity to be still. Because we're so stirred at the level of our appetites and emotions and desires that it wipes away our capacity to be silent. And God bless us, if the internet does anything, it keeps us from having any silence at all. And that's robbing us of our doorway to God to go beyond this world by going within ourselves. That is the final damage to the, uh, of why the internet is so horrible for our spiritual lives. Well, I never got to the solution. 
I guess I'm going to have to pick that up tomorrow. But hopefully you get it. Why in the world would you give your kid a smartphone when it has all of this damage? God bless.